Hello, welcome to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. I'm your host, Christy Ritz-King, trauma therapist, maternal mental health specialist, and mom of three. I have met so many incredible women through the various careers I've had over the years, and no matter where they are along their motherhood journey, they are powerful, they are brave, they are successful in their lives. And none of that matters because they all ask the same question at least once. And that is, am I a bad mom because fill in the blank. There are any number of ways to fill in that blank. And our mission with this podcast is to provide you all of the reasons why the answer to that question is unequivocally no. Every single time, no matter what, the answer is no, you are not a bad mom. And we're here today to show you exactly why. So welcome. We can't wait to help you feel better about the parent and the person that you are. Let's go. Hey, welcome back to this episode of Am I a Bad Mom podcast. And today we are going to dive into one of my favorite topics, which is rest. (laughs) We are entering in a new year. By the time you're listening to this, we might already be in the new year. And one sort of popular thing to do when you enter the new year is to set a goal, set a resolution, set an intention, whatever, whatever path you take very often we are trying to figure out, okay, what do we want this year to look like and what are we going to do the same or differently? And I want to challenge you with the concept that what if rest was our resolution? We've talked a little bit on this podcast about goal setting and about the hustle culture and about how it can be our undoing. We've talked about burnout. We've talked about all kinds of things that come from this hustle culture, this get the bag culture, this do it all right, manage it all yourself. And I'm not saying all of this stuff as if you should take the blame for that. I think it's a societal thing that we're all sort of trying to navigate. And it isn't necessarily anyone's fault, individual fault, but we all have a role in looking at how we're playing into it and what we can do to not play into it. So I want to challenge you this year to think of rest as your resolution instead of setting some goal that makes you weary. (laughs) And I'm not discouraging goal setting, but I am challenging you to maybe include rest and rejuvenation and self-care in that goal. So I want to talk a little bit about it. Why? Why would this be a goal and why is this necessary and why and do I feel compelled to talk about it? And again, you know that I work with largely parents, largely moms in some sort of life transitional phase, whether it's becoming a mom or whether it's sending your kids off to out of the nest. And it all brings you back to examining your own self. And so I have this set of principles that I sort of work under and by and wrote a book about and all of that stuff. And the book is about parenting, but really they're kind of just rules for living that I think if you apply them to most anything, you're going to end up with answers and solutions that are really helpful to you and aligned with who you are and what you want. So let's talk about those steps when it comes to rest. The idea of rest, I think, gets convoluted in our current world because we either A, think we can't, (laughs) we don't have the time, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the whatever, or we're doing it in a way that we don't actually feel good after it. And so I'd love to know, and and this is the problem with podcasts is that they're not interactive enough for me, but I'd love to know what your thoughts on rest are and, and what you think it means. And I'll tell you from some folks I've asked this question to, Oftentimes I get some blank stares and, or people just go, well, sleeping (laughs) or naps or something like that, where you can turn off your mind or, well, let me say passively, your mind is turned off because you're asleep or because you're resting, you're sleeping. 
And I want to, again, challenge you to think of rest in a different way. Think of it more as like a rejuvenation or a reset rather than just a shutting down. It can include shutting down, but it doesn't always have to. And if you think of it as something that you do in order to come back bigger and stronger and better, then it's a little bit different than thinking of rest as time off or sleep or something that requires nothing but a horizontal position. (laughs) If you think of what rest is, one of the very first things, and this is always a principle, well, before we start any of this, let me also add to that what you think about rest pieces. You don't need to earn it. We function in a world where rest and rejuvenation and resetting is baked in as something that we get to or a goal that we earn or some some place in our career that is attainable, but only after we work hard and hustle. And so I want you to try to rethink that to understand you don't have to earn rest. You just deserve it as a fact of walking the earth. And you need it in order to be able to continue walking the earth. So stop stop thinking of rest as time off from your life and start thinking of it as something that you do to take care of yourself so that you can have a long life. So that's kind of step number one is examine your mindset and see if you need to shift it away from rest being something that you earn or rest being something that you quote unquote deserve into rest being a thing that we need to incorporate into our lives. And when you start from there, I think the very first step of my sort of four-step explicit parenting process and just reset process is to know yourself. Because for you, what might feel restful and rejuvenating and renewing might not be the same for me, might not be the same for other members of your family, might not be the same for the person who lives next door. But you have to know yourself well enough to know A, when am I getting close to the point of burnout that I really have to rest more than just on a day-to-day basis? So my challenge to you is to bake it into an everyday so you don't get to this point. But I think I would be silly to think that that's going to happen easily or overnight for any of us. So part of knowing yourself is knowing sort of when you're on that edge of, oof, I need to pull back and rest before this gets beyond my control. But also knowing yourself and knowing what feels rejuvenating? What feels like you're filling your cup? So again, if you think of rest as a way to reset or to ref- or to fill you back up after you've poured yourself out, what are the things that do that for you? So rest doesn't always mean going to sleep. It could mean taking a walk in the woods that you're not plugged into anything. You're not asking anything of your mind. You're moving your body in a way that's gentle and easy and not requiring too much focus or control. Don't rock climbing is different than a nice walk in the woods. It might be a walk along the water's edge. It might just be a walk through the neighborhood, sort of taking in whatever's coming at you in a way that is there's no expectations for. It might be vegging out in front of the TV. It might be reading a book. Something that is not disassociative in the kind where you like just check out, but which fills you back up with something. I know personally, I have different ways of watching television. (laughs) There are definitely ways that are disassociative and that are not helpful to me. They're more just like all I have capacity for. It's almost like the thing that I do when I can't figure out what else to do is to plop down and put the TV on. I know some people who will just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and never see an actual show for longer than like two minutes. They're just flipping channels. It's the same thing with with our phones now. You know, we scroll and scroll whatever our social media of choice is. And that's not 
restful. It's disassociative in the sense that you're not doing anything, but you're still, you're not also doing anything to take care of yourself. It's more of a just mindless thing that you do when your mind can't take anything else in. So knowing yourself to know what's the difference between those two things. If I sit on my couch and scroll for 20 minutes, I don't finish that feeling better. (laughs) Whereas if I sit down for a 30 minute show that makes me laugh, that actually does make me feel better at the end. That feels restful because I feel like I've gotten some energy back from that process. So number one for you is know yourself, know what those things are. And this requires some observation and it requires some time maybe to examine, well, what is it that's making me feel better in my life? Might be great, but also not doable. So what are the smaller things that throughout my day or once a week or sometime I can bake into my calendar? What are the things that make me feel like I can keep going because I've just given myself that thing. I wish I was this person. I'm not, but I know so many people who for them working out is the thing that rejuvenates them. I know biologically that working out makes me feel better, but emotionally it is not the thing that I feel rested after doing. (laughs) But there are some people for whom that is the case. They love a spin class or they love a Pilates class or they love just hitting a heavy bag or lifting heavy things. It makes them feel better afterward. And so that looks like the opposite of rest, but might actually feel restful and rejuvenating to somebody. So knowing yourself and your capacity to when you need to come back and then what helps you to be able to fill that cup back up again. Hey, listener. If you appreciate what you get here as far as support and camaraderie and feeling like you're not alone, then I think you should really check out the Women of Wonder community that I run. It is exactly that. (laughs) It is a community full of support and camaraderie and you are not aloneness. It is meant to replace the old fashioned Facebook groups that we used to love before it got so mean and snarky and Facebooky. It is a place where you can ask the questions you have, where you can share the joys and share the sorrows and expect a supportive response, non-judgmental response. We meet weekly via Zoom, so we have people from all over the world that come and join us. And there are other supports like newsletters and uh, message boards and all of the things that you can and want and need in your life to provide you that support and scaffolding to help do this job we call motherhood. Check it out on my website, wonderinkwellness.com. It's called the Women of Wonder Community. And you can sign up today and get two months free if you do a year subscription. If you have any questions, again, always send me an email, but I would love to see you inside. And then number two for my little process is knowing your end game. And with parenting, that means something completely different, probably. But for this purposes, really, it means what are you doing Why are you doing what you're doing? What is your ultimate goal for this? I think this step can sometimes can be the most important. I mean, if you don't tune in, which is step number one, then you can't really do this one. So maybe it's hard to say which one's most important. But I feel like number two is the part that we do or that when we don't do it, it's how oftentimes we end up in these ruts and in these burnout cycles and in these times where we're overwhelmed by our lives. Because if we don't focus on the why behind what we're doing, it's very easy to just fall into a routine of this is what I'm a supposed to do. This is what everybody else does. This is what I've always done. Whatever the case, it's really easy to fall into that, like get up every day and just put one foot in front of the other. 
And then suddenly you look up 20 years later and you're wondering how the heck you got here. If we intentionally take a step back and reflect on the things we're doing, the job we're doing, the, the way we're raising our kids, the way we are with our family, where we live, how we live there, what our environment looks like where we live, all the things we have control over, sort of larger global things I'm taking into consideration, but I'm also recognizing like we can't control all that. So all the things we do have control over, why are we doing them? What is the goal or the intention or the hope for when we have done them for X amount of time? Where do we think we're going with this? And do we want to go there is really the important thing. For me, I know that I did all the things you're supposed to do. I grew up, I went to college, I got a job out of college, I did the job well, I learned how to do the job well and continued to do the things that you know rose up. I got another degree so I could keep doing the job. And then my life changed a little bit and I stopped and looked around and was like, I don't like any of this. <laughs> I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like where I'm going with it. I don't like the next steps of it. I keep doing it because I think that's just what you're supposed to do, but I actually don't really like any of it. And then I had to decide, okay, well, I could keep doing this, but where am I going with it? And why do I want to do this? And I recognize not everybody has that luxury to say, this isn't for me, I'm going to try something new. But we all have these little things we could do within it to stay in if we need to stay that path, but we are realizing maybe it's not the path that we necessarily would have chosen, how can we tweak and change some things to feel more aligned with it? So tuning into not only what works for you, but also like, why are you already doing what you're doing? And is there a way to either add in more rest or change things around a little bit so that your actual goal, whatever that is, whether it's peace or per internal peace, or whether it's a family time, or whether it's maybe it is ascending that corporate ladder. What is your goal? Why are you doing the things you're doing? And then how do you pull back and address the things that are missing or the places that you're not going in order to do that? So this all sounds maybe really vague and really broad. And part of that is because you are the only one that can make these choices and decisions for yourself. You're the only one that knows fully what works best for you and why you're doing what you're doing. This is just sort of a framework to work within for people because every goal needs action steps, right? And if your goal is to rest, <laughs> these are the action steps to get more of that. And that is starting with tuning into yourself and figuring out what works, but then also looking and examining at your life and, and questioning like, what, what's the end game here? What am I going for here? I'm choosing to do these things. Why am I choosing to do them? And are they getting me what I want? And the third step is part of what helps you to be able to do the first and second. So it's almost not linear. It's more cyclical, this whole idea. And the third step is to be curious, not judgmental. And the reason for that is to allow yourself grace in steps one and two. If you go into this saying, what's my end game? And then beating yourself up for maybe not doing what you wanted to be doing or doing things, like I said, kind of rote and because it seems like the next right thing. If you go into that judgmental, you don't get anywhere except worse off maybe than when you started because now you're just beating yourself up for stuff. But if you go in curious, if you really genuinely go in wondering, why, how did I get here? What am I doing this for? Is this what I want? And also curious about what feels good for me? What do I wish I was doing instead? What do I want more of and less of in my life? If you look at it with the curiosity, it gives you the grace to really truly answer those questions 
without fear of judgment or fear of choosing incorrectly or fear of anything that we sort of impose on ourselves as a result of some of these questionings. So using that curiosity instead of that judgment to be able to figure out who, what works for me, where do I want to go? How do I want to get there? It just gives you a little bit of grace and allows you the space to be able to ask those questions in a way that's really serving for yourself. And then finally, as with anything that, you know, you use any framework you use to set a goal, persistence and consistency are really key. And to be consistent with rest is available to you when you do those first three things, because you've just figured out what you actually need and how you can incorporate it into your day to day or week to week or monthly or whatever you need it life. And you're only going to be able to be consistent if it's a doable thing that you've just given yourself. We all know we've all started the year with audacious goals that don't really have their basis in reality. (laughs) I know I have. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. I'm going to, I don't know, eat healthy all the time. I'm never going to have sugar again. Whatever they are, they're these very extreme, large, audacious things. I'm going to make six figures this year with my business that's one month old or something like that. Usually when we make those kind of goals, we haven't done steps one, two, and three. We haven't actually examined what lights us up. And if this goal is actually going to change how we feel, we haven't examined why we set the goal fully. Oftentimes we set those goals because we think we're supposed to, or we think we should, or we think that's the next step on the ladder, or we think somebody else told us we're supposed to have big audacious goals. And so if we don't know the consistency of it, or if we don't know the reasons behind it, it's almost impossible to be consistent with it. We don't, often we don't know the action steps. I'm going to work out every day. We think that is the action step, but we haven't sort of looked at all the little day-to-day things that are necessary in order to be able to go work out every day. And then it's impossible to be consistent or persistent with any of that because we don't have the framework in place for it. So these are the people, and I'm including myself amongst them, who are at the gym every day through about January 20th. (laughs) And then you never see them again. Or you see them once a week and they're kind of dragging their butts there because they promised themselves they'd go every day. And so at least they better get there once a week or once a month. If you don't do numbers one, two, and three, it's almost impossible to do number four, which is be consistent and persistent with your goals. To be consistent and persistent about rest Why wouldn't anybody want to do that? But again, if we just set these big things, like I'm going to rest more without any understanding of what that means to us and why we're doing it, well, then it's hard to be consistent with it because we don't really have a fully fleshed out plan. So like with any goal setting, a goal to rest more requires a lot of the same kind of treatment of any other goal that is fully worked out and the details are there and you have the action steps. But in order to get those concrete action steps, you need to start with this idea of understanding who you are and understanding what you need and understanding what works for you. And you do that by being curious and looking closely with the grace and compassion for yourself that allows you to get true answers without feeling bad about it. So this is a quick one this week because I want you to take time, maybe the time that you would listen to the the rest of this podcast that usually is 10 or 15 minutes longer. I want you to take that time and use it <laughs> to figure out how you're going to incorporate more rest into your day, week, months, rest of the year. How is your big goal for 2024 to be resting and taking care of yourself this year? How can you look at yourself, 
look at what works for you, look at why you're doing what you're doing and evaluate all of that with a sense of curiosity and purpose so that you can consistently go forward with this new goal of resting and taking care of yourself. So use the extra time and to entreat you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next time, keep asking all the tough questions. And remember, the answer to am I a bad mom is always no. So for this portion of me time, I want to talk about a couple shows that I've probably talked about on here before, or you've heard me talk about before, but I want to talk about them today because the topic of rest had me discussing like ways in which I view television are different sometimes. For some, they are just total zone out, disassociative, like burnt out sessions. Hallmark movies come to mind when I think of that. For others, it is an energy, I don't want to say an energy suck, but the shows are such that I don't feel rested afterward. Sometimes I feel depleted afterward. And that doesn't mean they're bad shows. It just means the topic or the what it sort of has my brain doing. Or it's like, well, it's interesting. Anyway, I have shows like that. These three shows that I know I've talked about, at least two of them before, are all very different. And you wouldn't necessarily think they're restful. But for me, they're what I choose to pop on when I just need to fill my cup back up. And so one is the show, The Bear, which I know I've talked about on this podcast before. I will not bore you with the details of the show, but I will tell you it is an emotional roller coaster of a show. And so you wouldn't think for me, it would be restful. You wouldn't think for anybody it would be restful, but it's so well put together and so well done that even though I've watched both seasons multiple times, I still sometimes will just pop an episode on because it fills me up. I really enjoy everything about it so much so that it like fills me back up again. With the same idea, but not in any way the same shows are Ted Lasso, which I, you know, I know I know I've talked about and everybody's talked about, and the show New Girl. <laughs> and so Ted Lasso is just obvious. If you've ever seen it, it's like just a feel good show. And so to watch an episode here or there is just a lovely sort of like a dessert. I just feel good at the end of it. And it's short and sweet and easy. The show New Girl, I have a kind of a twofold reason for loving it. One, it is absurdly funny. <laughs> and if that's not your thing, like if you don't like I don't even want to call it stupid because it's not stupid humor. It's really intelligent humor masked as a bunch of stupid people. <laughs> so if that's not your thing, then it's not your thing. But not only is it my thing, but it is a show that my children and I all watched together for like the third time. My husband and I watched it by our, before, our kid, before it was appropriate. Our kids were too young for it in the early days. But then it became a show that as a family... I mean, maybe some people would argue it still wasn't appropriate, but whatever. We watched it together as a family. And so not only do I think the show is hilarious, but sometimes when I'm like missing my kids, I'll watch an episode of it just to kind of get myself, just to fill my cup back up again as a type of rest because it is rejuvenating to me. And then the last show is completely different and actually really engages my brain in a way that can sometimes be frustrating to me. <laughs> I have a personal... I don't know what you want to call it, deficit. I don't know. I, I get really frustrated with shows that like slowly unfold so that like I can't figure them out in the beginning or I sometimes I'm like, oh, did I miss something? Like this thing is happening and they're acting as if I'm supposed to know what's going on and I don't know what's going on. So did I miss something? 
So you wouldn't think this show would be restful for me. It's a show called Slow Horses. I think it's an Apple show. And it's a British like crime show, MI6 group type five, six. I don't know. I, <laughs> I call them the wrong thing. Sorry, stupid American. It is slow. The, the show itself is slow. There's moments of action, but but it slowly unfolds. It definitely has moments where you're like, did I miss something? And it all is revealed at the end, but there are definitely times where you go through it and you may be questioning whether you know exactly what's happening or not. So you wouldn't think it would be restful because usually something that frustrates you and makes you a little bit upset isn't restful. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the pacing or it's kind of a gray show. Like it's not very, it's kind of, I don't know, it's slow, it's thoughtful. And so it works for me as like a restful. It's not one that I go back and rewatch over and over again, but I find myself looking forward to it and then feeling like energized when it's over too. It's not the kind that like I fall asleep in the middle and have to come back to or whatever. So those are my me time restful programs to watch. I know I'm not revealing anything except for maybe slow horses you've never heard of before, but I know the other ones I've talked about, everybody's talking about. It's not like I'm presenting anything new to you, but the bear, New Girl, if you can find it on streaming, so silly. And Slow Horses on Apple. Also Ted Lasso on Apple too, but I'm sure if you listen to this podcast at all, you've gone and found Ted Lasso by now because I have talked about it ad nauseum. So there you go. That's me time. Those are my restful programs for this season anyway. It's been tough because with the strike, you know, nothing new. So we've been rewatching some old favorites and, and discovering things that are like four and five years old. So I might have some new things to share, but for the most part, I've talked about all these before because we have been in a bit of a new program rut for a while. So, okay. Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you've got a moment, we'd love a review. We would love for you to subscribe and we would love for you to share with friends. So the more people that can answer the question, am I a bad mom? The better off we all will be. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you heard something today that made you feel better about your parenting and about yourself. Remember, if you have a moment, we would love a review. It helps more people to hear about us. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. And of course, subscribe so that you know when it's going to drop every single week. Thanks again. Until next time, keep asking those same questions and know that the answer to am I a bad mom is always no. No.